Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. I was in a consultation with the pastor of a megachurch, and he said to me, I hear all this talk about silos. Some people say their staff are in different silos. He said, my situation is even worse than that. I don't think my people are even speaking the same language. I don't think they can even talk to each other. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. I'm the executive director of the National Institute of Christian Leadership. And today on this podcast, which is called The Leader's Notebook, I'm going to be talking about 21st century flex leadership And I hope that you will stay tuned. Throughout the podcast ahead, the Leader's Notebook will always deal with issues of life, leadership, relationships, and faith. I hope that we'll cover a lot of topics on that waterfront in the months and years ahead. Today, 21st century flex leadership on the chaos control continuum. Every one of us has a tendency inside of us, a a genetic tendency almost, like the color of your eyes or the color of your hair, which predisposes us toward chaos or control. Now, don't assign a negative moral value to one of those words or to either of the words. Chaos is not evil and control is not evil, unless you tend toward one or the other in a great way. Chaos is where all the creativity happens. That's where all the energy is, all the molecular um, fighting and going and exciting ideas. That's where your salespeople are. They're, They're coming up with new ideas, creativity, high energy, molecular energy. On the control side, that's where all your folks like accounting and legal are on that side. That's the reason that you have a high-octane salesman who sells 500 units a month, but everybody in accounting hates him because they say uh, he never turns his expense account in on time or he gets addresses wrong on on his sales orders. That's why you have to preside over the tension between chaos and control. You're like Ben Hur up in the chariot, and you've got these horses that are all wanting to run But the problem is they may not all be wanting to run at the same speed or in the same direction. And you have to get control of them and keep them together. So you have to say to the the control people, look, I know this salesman is a pain in the neck sometimes, and he's high chaos and causes a lot of problems, but he's selling 500 units a month, and you're not selling anything. So at some point, you have to say to them, calm down, put up with him, deal with it. Your job is to bring order out of the chaos. Then at some point, you may have to say, this chaos is not worth it to me. I'd rather hire two salesmen who will sell 250 units each and turn their expense accounts in on time, their their receipts in. So the problem is that you move on this chaos control continuum as the leader. And you're trying to make the decision of when do I tighten down, when do I move more toward control, and when do I loosen up and move more toward chaos. In chaos, 
that's where you have energy. The growth happens, the creative ideas. But you can also have a lot of train wrecks. On the control side, you don't have any train wrecks. Why? No trains are moving. And that's the tension in which you live and lead as a 21st century flex leader. It also is not just true in in business. It's true also in ministry. That's the reason that in many churches, the, the youth pastor and the music people all think that the church administrator is at best a fascist and at worst the antichrist. The church administrator thinks they are rebellious and negligent and and difficult to deal with. They're anarchists. Why? It's because they're they're approaching the reality of life and leadership and management from vastly different points of view. Part of this is just inborn, as I said. You have some people that uh, their first word is mama or dada. Then there are other people, and their first word is purchase order. The second word they learn is triplicate. So people who don't turn in their purchase orders or who don't turn them in in triplicate feel like bad people. They're not bad people. They're just high chaos people. There are other people that they, they are highly creative, but they live in a world that thrives on chaos. Have you ever been backstage at the dress rehearsal of some kind of a production? It's all chaos. Oh, the producer and the director are going crazy. Oh, the scenery is not right. The costumes are not right. All of these things. I used to feel sorry for them. I used to go backstage and I'd think, oh, what can I do? How can I make it better? How can I sort this out? Then I realize they thrive in that. They need it. They're like emotional teenagers who need to throw everything around in their room. You can go in and straighten it out. You can put everything in a closet or a drawer. But in 24 hours, it'll look just like it did before you got there. Now, the challenge for the leader is you have to preside over that. There are times when you have to say to the control people, lighten up and loosen up. Right now, what we need is speed. We need energy. There are other times when you have to say to the control, to the chaos people, you're about to drive the thing over the cliff. We've got to tighten some of the control mechanisms. I'm not defending the Fed by any means, but I'm saying that's the idea behind the Fed. That the Fed says if the if the American economy is is cooking too hot, it's going and there's a chance it's going to blow a gasket. They tighten down. How? They tighten by the the money level by tightening down on interest rates. They they cut back on the amount of money that's out in the market. By the same token, if it looks like the the economy is grinding to a halt, they lower interest rates, they loosen up, they let more money into the system. That's what, that's what you have to do as the executive leader. There are times when you have to know that this thing is just going and blowing. It's growing, that's great, but you're not sure, you haven't seen your youth pastor in two years. It all feels chaotic. It, it's it, it's too loose. You can feel the bolts are all rattling. And you, ha- you start to move things back toward policy and procedure. The only thing is, the people that thrive in chaos are not going to like it. Then there are other times when the whole thing seems to be grinding to a halt. Everything's just 
squeezing down. You feel there's no energy. There's no life. Everything is predictable and orderly, and there's no train wrecks. But it's not, it's not that thriving, growth-oriented energy that you want in your organization or your church or your business. That's when you have to lighten up and loosen up. You know where everything is because nothing's moving. That's when you have to lighten up. Now, the problem is that these two people approach what you do to correct differently. The chaos people, when you start to tighten down, they won't like it. It'll feel like, uh, like the shoe is pinching. And they may, they may grumble and complain, but they won't see it as a moral compromise. The challenge on the other side is that the control people, when you start to loosen up, when you start to lighten the load procedurally or, or in terms of policies, they may feel you're actually compromising. Now, you need the right people on the right side. That is, that is to say, chaos people may be able to adjust and learn some policies and procedures, but really, they need to serve in functions that are over here. On the other side, you don't want a CFO with a great sense of humor. You want him to or her to understand rules, law, procedure, policy. And you have to preside over that tension between those two. I don't know if you've ever seen the classic black and white movie with um, Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. It was called The African Queen. The African Queen was neither an African nor a queen. It was a boat. And... Uh, it was a pretty predictable plot, but it was fascinating. The acting was great. The scenery was terrific. And it's a classic. It's a cinema classic. The plot was this. There was a, a profane uh, boat captain bringing his boat uh, down the Ulanga River at the height of World War I, trying to avoid being captured by the Germans who were taking over in, the, in that region of the Congo. He picks up a prudish... Um, kind of waspish missionary lady, a, a maiden lady, Catherine Hepburn, and they go in the boat together. It's predictable. They argue, they fight, all the rest, and then finally they fall in love as they go down the Ulanga River in the African Queen. Here's the interesting thing. Every now and again, they'll be having tea or talking or just going down the river, and all of a sudden, Humphrey Bogart, the boat captain, will jump up and kick the engine or hit it with a spanner or something. And the reason is because he can hear something in that engine that she can't hear and nobody else can hear. That's where the leader is. You hear the clatter in the engine or you hear the dull sound of the lack of power in life that nobody else can hear. The challenge is you won't even be able to always explain it to them. Part of it is intuitive. Part is objective. You know when the numbers go flat. You know when the growth tables out. You know when there's just a sense of a lack of joyful energy and activity. You can feel we need to lighten up and loosen up. We need to crank it up here a little bit. You can also feel when you feel this thing is about to blow up. We're growing, but our systems are not in place. We're not able to take care of the growth that we're receiving, and we won't be able to sustain it. That's when policies and procedures have to kick in. Now, of course, the problem is when you hear that, nobody else will hear the engine quite like you do. It's not their job, and you can't always even explain it to them. 
Somebody said to me one time, Jesus never had to deal with these management issues. Sure he did. What about the woman taken in adultery? She is dragged. It says the the King James Bible is very graphic. It says she is caught in the act. So she is dragged from an adulterous bed into the street, thrown at Jesus' feet, and the control people, the Pharisees, want to get her killed by using the ultimate control mechanism, which is the law. So they say the law says she should be killed. What does Jesus say? Follow the law. Yes, that's the control. That's how we do kill her. But he says everybody has to live under the same control mechanism. If you've never broken the law in any part, then you throw the first stone. Okay, they all leave. All the control people leave, drop their stones and walk away. And Jesus says to the woman, where are those that condemn thee? She says, gone, sir, everyone. And he says, listen to this, neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and sin no more. Now, that is a control mechanism, sin no more, but it's pretty soft. It's pretty light. Go thy way and sin no more. It almost feels like he doesn't take adultery seriously. Certainly he does, and he admonishes her to correct her life and live in holiness, but it's, it's pretty gentle. Now. Jesus goes to the temple, and they're the, they're the money changers, and apparently the worst thing they're doing is jacking up the price on turtle doves, and Jesus wigs out. He starts kicking their tables over. He braids rope into whip, and he's hitting them. He's calling them terrible names, brood of viper snakes, babies. When he's doing that, don't you think somebody on the sideline might have said, whatever happened to go thy way? and sin no more. When he's hitting somebody with a rope and calling them names and kicking their businesses over, I don't think anybody was standing on the sidelines singing gentle Jesus, meek and mild. The issue was Jesus saw the disparity in those two situations differently than anybody in the crowd. He saw this as a poor, lonely, confused woman who was taken advantage of. And by the way, where was the man? She wasn't committing adultery alone. So his compassion, his tenderness toward her, certainly he urges her to holiness. But he doesn't beat her with the whip of control, of ultimate control, which is the law. But then he deals with these guys. They look respectable. But actually, they are using God for personal gain. They are making merchandise of the things of God. And that, he says, now, that's a real sin, and he won't stand for that. So the, the chief executive officer of the universe views the legal issues differently than anybody else. When you're doing 21st century flex leadership on the chaos control continuum, there are times when you have to steer the ship toward chaos side. You have to call down to the engine room, more coal, more steam, speed it up, let's go. Lighten up. You have to tell your control people, we'll fill the forms out tomorrow. Today, let's get on with it. Let's get up ahead of steam. Likewise, there are other times when you have to veer the ship back over to the control side. You have to say to your speed to market people, your high chaos agents, lighten, tighten down. We've lightened up for you. Now you've got to tighten down. Fill the forms out. They may not like it. When you tighten up, some of your chaos and creative people may leave. And you have to decide 
whether keeping them is of great enough value to tolerate the chaos, or if it's dangerous enough to live at that level of chaos where you'd rather run the risk of their leaving. The control people you're going to have to reason with, talk to, teach, and some of them may not be able to tolerate moving toward chaos. And there you are, like Ben-Hur in the chariot, guiding all these thoroughbreds who all want to run at their own speed. And you've got to keep them in the traces, running at the same time at the same place. And you, you may look not just flexible, but you may look to people as whimsical. You don't want to be radically shifting from right to left, right to left until you turn the ship over. But by the same token, you've got to be able to flex on that horizontal continuum between chaos and control. I hope you've enjoyed today's Leader's Notebook, and I hope you'll continue to join me. And I hope that you'll go to thenicl.com and join me for a series of classes on life, leadership, on the practical realities of management, everything from hiring and firing to budget management, control, uh, all the way to debt management, debt acquisition, board management, the practical realities of leadership and management in business and in ministry. I hope you'll join me, thenicl.com. I'm Mark Rutland. God bless you. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.